This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. your children how to strengthen their immune systems with a healthy lifestyle, good nutrition, and a positive mindset. And model these steps in your own life. Positivity is preventative. Help your kids focus on what they can control, their own immune system health. Let go of all fear about what goes on outside and around them that they can't control, and they will be healthier for it. In the vaccine book, parents have access to the most trusted name in pediatrics for fair, impartial, fact-based information. Each chapter of the book deals with a specific disease and vaccine. Dr. Bob provides a detailed description of the disease, its commonness and rarity, its seriousness and harmlessness, as well as the ingredients of the vaccine and any possible side effects. Valeria interviews Dr. Bob Sears, He is the author of The Vaccine Book and seven other books. Dr. Bob is a pediatrician, father of three, grandfather of two, co-founder of Immunity Education Group, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing balanced and complete information about vaccines, infectious diseases, and public health issues. He is also a physician advisor for the Autism Community in Action, TACA, co-host of the Vaccine Conversation podcast, and creator of a brand new video series. Dr. Bob, as he likes to be called by his little patients, earned his medical degree at Georgetown University School of Medicine in 1995 and did his pediatric internship and residency at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. He continues to practice pediatrics at his office in Dana Point, California, where he provides a combination of alternative and traditional medical care. He has a passion for healthy natural living, and incorporates this knowledge into his style of disease treatment and prevention by limiting antibiotic use, committing to breastfeeding success for his little patients, using science-based natural treatment approaches whenever possible, and focusing on good nutrition and immune system health. With the new threat of mandatory vaccination laws, Dr. Bob's new mission is to ensure that all families worldwide receive complete, objective, and undoctored informed consent before they choose vaccination, and that people everywhere retain the freedom to make healthcare decisions for themselves and their children. Meet Dr. Bob at thevaccineconversation.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Bob Sears. In your own words, who is Bob Sears? Well, you know, Bob Sears is a grandfather of two, I would like to say, is my 
proudest, uh, most recent accomplishment. Uh, father of three, very happily married over 30 years. And then maybe the, the less important part of my life is I'm a pediatrician. And I'm, I've kind of uh, focused on one area that, that's most passionate to me. It's, uh, it's really, um, I like to ensure that families all over the world receive um, complete and objective and what I like to call undoctored informed consent when it comes to their health care choices and specifically when it comes to choosing vaccines for their children. And I like to try to spread love and understanding between the two sides of the lines because this can be a very divisive issue in our society and it really doesn't need to be. Mm, So true. Yes, I agree a thousand percent about the vision, right? Mm -hmm. So it caught my attention, your answer to that question, the first very question of who you are. So I guess I had other questions that I thought about, but then another one came to mind. What is to be a good husband and a good parent? From your perspective, <laughs> <laughs> well, that came um, to mind. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I've quite achieved the first part of that. I mean, you should ask my wife. What yes, she right. That'd be great. <laughs> um, you know, I think um, you know. I've, if you've both achieved mutual happiness and fulfillment in each other's presence over the you know the years and decades, and you're both you know. I'd say, you know, happy, great people in this world together, then I think you you know you're doing a, a good job and you're a great match for mm. your mate. Um, <laughs> yes. I think, um, yeah, when it comes to raising children, you know, mm-hmm. I would, uh, we all probably make more mistakes than, than we have successes, you know, along the way. But uh, I think if your children come out of their teenage years, uh, loving you and having a, you know, a nice communicative relationship with you and, um, and you're all, you know, continue to be present in each other's lives, then, you know, you've done a good job. Mm, Yes, that sounds very good to me, like a very good way of measuring that. Another question that came to mind is what is your idea of happiness? What is happiness to you? You know, to me, Happiness is, and I can say this because I've experienced sometimes where it is not present in my life. Um, I think happiness is when I can have an afternoon off, mm-hmm. not working, mm-hmm. and I can feel relaxed. My mind is clear and free. I'm not sitting there worrying about something. I'm not dwelling on you know the particular stresses of my life. I can relax and read a book or go on a walk and just look around and and the world around me is peaceful you know, and, and instead of uh, being in the other the other uh, you know situations where I just spend hours and hours worrying and dwelling on my challenges and worrying and letting you know fear of, of you know, something in my life that's trying to encroach on me and letting that get to me and it just robs you of of, of those hours you know I like to Think of, uh, I guess, one of my favorite quotes out of a, one of my favorite books is, fear is the mind killer. And um, that's, I think that's very true. And that's, I've found that to be true in my life sometimes. And when I'm able to 
overcome that, I then my mind is free and happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that really resonates true to me. And that's funny listening to you. I was just thinking about my own lifestyle. Yes. But what I try to do is I, I go for peace, inner peace instead of happiness. And that gives me, even when I'm busy, it gives me this almost like this environment that happiness could arise, could be present as well, because I'm kind of accepting and peaceful what, whatever I'm doing, even if it's not pleasant or it's uh, chaotic or anything like that. So I guess that's, um, yeah, I wanted to, just to make that comment. And fear. So uh, I can't help it. That, that's, uh, I left here for the last part of the interview, but I, I have to ask you now. <laughs> Talk to me about the connection between fear, happiness, positivity, and health and a strong immune system. Right, because um, you know, stress and fear could possibly be the, the thing that would influence our immune system in the most negative way, maybe compared to any other factor. And if adrenaline is pumping through your body at higher levels, your immune system is just not going to be as equipped to fight the things that, that it needs to fight, to fight illness, to fight cancer, to fight you know immune diseases. And you want your immune system in a nice, relaxed, but uh, aware state. And, and fear really, uh, really can rob your immune, sof- immune system of that. Um, and I, I do see, you know, when it comes to health, I think specifically in the, in the area of vaccines, um, I, I see the medical community uh, seems to try to instill fear mm. in people yes. if they don't accept all the vaccines. Right. And they try to encourage them to fear the people around them who don't vaccinate. And that, that kind of uh, divisiveness in our society, I, I think, doesn't, doesn't help. It doesn't help anyone. So there's kind of two kinds of fear. You know, there's your own fear, but then there's fear that sometimes uh, an establishment tries to instill on society to get them to maybe be more compliant with a a particular endeavor. It's sad to hear, isn't it, that this Mm -hmm. happens. So knowledge doesn't mean wisdom (laughs) a lot of times, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Uh, right. That's how I see it. So you wrote seven books, and I I think the the vaccine book is the eighth book, I believe. Am I correct, uh, Bob? Or this is the seventh book? The vaccine book might actually, it might, I think it was probably my second book that I wrote, if I was to put them in chronological order. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good to know. I saw them on Amazon, but I didn't think yeah, about numbers. I, yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think I've done seven or eight over the years that I've been involved with. And the, the vaccine book was one of my uh, solo projects. Because uh, no one in my family, or I have a, I have a family of writers that I come yeah. from, no one uh, wanted to join me this <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> I was on my own. Yeah. Yes. What was the main intention of writing this book, the vaccine book? Well, you know, going back about 16 years when I wrote it, I, I really was spending hours and hours with my patients in the office 
saying the same thing over and over again. Yes. And I thought, (laughs) you know, I could save myself (laughs) a lot of time and then save people a lot of time and money coming Uh to see me if they could read everything I wanted them to know about the vaccine decision. And then I would help, you know, be very happy to help guide them through, you know, things that they don't understand. So it's really a, it's really intended on saving huh. me some time. But then it's it's been a, a a way that I could really reach the whole world with a, a nice uh, nice long look at this decision that is probably the by far the most complicated medical decision that any family will ever have to make with their children. Mm, yeah, that's true. And I, I thank you again for doing that. What a beautiful work. Well, thank you. Of helping others. And it, that's fascinating that when I ask the question here, what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of the human experience? I get that answer over and over again, is to help others, to be a service. Do you feel the same way, Bob? Um. Yes, you know, you certainly... Yeah get a, a great feeling, you know, where you're helping others, you're also helping yourself. Mm, yes. You know, and and yes. feel good about your place in the world. Um uh yeah, I mean that's a that's a good way to look at it. Um I would say, I don't know, I mean the I think a, an equally uh good purpose would would be to to help ensure that your place in the world is a mm. positive one mm. and has a and you leave this place having touch the world in a good way, mm. leaving your presence, you know, mm. in others mm, yeah. in a way that, that helps them move along in the world after you to continue to make a difference. Yes, right. And, well, it seems like that's what people like yourself, it's really doing. Even though when they say help others, is really they have helped themselves already, you know, they're passing on the message, the wisdom. That's how I see it. That's what I see f- from here, from a distance. So it's truly beautiful. Another question, let's see. Oh, I had another question for you of the open questions and I forgot, didn't I? Did I write it down? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, no. So what inspired you to become a physician, a pediatrician specifically? I think I was one of those children that didn't really have Mm -hmm. much of a choice. Um, (laughs) I mean, Uh of course I did ultimately, but I just going back as long as I can remember uh, seeing my dad work as a pediatrician, I thought it looked like a lot of fun and interesting. And, and so um, I wanted to be a doctor, but uh, you know, I, I found the, the greatest joy I got in my medical training when it was when I was sitting with parents discussing their child with them. And and I found it was just so rewarding personally. So I thought I need to go into the field of pediatrics. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it's what Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. I think that's what he said, right? Yes, follow yeah. your passion. <laughs> yes. That's yes. it. <laughs> Another open question is about the idea of health. What is, how do you see that? What is to be healthy? To me, being healthy is... Uh, Maybe a few things, but number one is probably having the the energy to to get around and do the things you enjoy doing and not be inhibited by uh by maybe some physical limitations and and of course, even if you do have physical limitations, if you can you know get out and do what you're capable of and enjoy it then that's that's very important um 
it would mean having an immune system uh, where when you do get sick, you don't feel it as strongly. You don't, you're not sick as long. You know, your immune system, I think even the best immune system is still going to allow you to get an illness and experience symptoms. But then what does your body do with that? It processes it and, and eliminates it uh, quickly and easily. So you're not, you're not held back by that illness for very long. To me, that's, that's an immune system that's healthy. And uh, those, you know, those, I think those two factors are probably uh, a way that that manifests itself. Yes, that resonates with me. Uh, I remember asking the question to somebody here about the immune system. What is it and where is it located? Yeah, I'm asking you now. I think I forgot the answer to that question. But what is the immune system? Well, well, it's it's, <laughs> it's in every part of our body. Yeah. Every organ has an aspect of the immune system. And it's really, it's really, it's just a whole bunch of cells and naturally occurring chemicals that float around in our body, and um, they they uh, kill off cancer cells, they eliminate uh, diseased cells, they try to block infections from coming into your body, but also we sometimes want infections to come into our body and have a natural process through our body. And so the immune system sometimes welcomes it in and processes it and the body learns from it. And then, and then you, then the disease moves along and, and your body isn't, uh, isn't harmed by it. And that's kind of what the immune system's responsibility is. And we need that for our whole lifetime. You want to raise your children with a really healthy immune system so that you have a uh, uh, excellent immune system when you're 50 and when you're 80. Yes, that's true. And a, a good way of knowing that we have a strong immune system, would that be what how you described health earlier? Yes. Not being sick, getting sick. Or if we do, we don't stay sick for too often. Right, right. Uh, that's good to know. So my last question is, open question, is about spirituality. Do you have any spiritual views, any spiritual practices, or anything that you consider to be spiritual? Yes, I am a Christian, uh, a lover and follower of, of uh, Jesus Christ, and um, and I've uh, had that belief ever since I was a child. I'm very active in my church, and my whole family is, and um, I'm also open-minded and you know accepting of of everyone, you know, and, and no matter what their beliefs are, and and. Um, and so I'm not, uh, yeah, I would never, um, you know, discount anyone's, you know, feelings if they're different than mine or their understanding of the world or the spiritual world is different than mine. I'm here to just, you know, love everyone and embrace everyone and accept everyone's differences. Uh, yes, um, that's wonderful to hear that. I can't help but ask you another question. <laughs> How does it help you somehow? Have you experienced actually the the effects of faith, of spirituality in your health, the impact, per se, of that? I, yeah, I would say for me, just having the peace and understanding, and then for me, what I view as, you know, the knowledge of what's going to happen to me after this life. Yeah. 
just kind of gives me a sense of peace. Mm, and I think it yeah. makes me uh-huh. happier and calmer, which then helps my immune system mm, yes. and helps me uh, live a healthier life. Uh, I don't have to worry that, you know, <laughs> things are just going to suddenly come to an end someday. Right. Ah, that's a beautiful answer. And that's one that I share with you, I have to say. Yes, yeah. that's why the reason why spirituality is my main focus. I used to be food, exercise and all that, sleep, and it still is. But the foundation is really spirituality. It keeps all the pieces together somehow yes, in harmony. Yes. Um, so let's go back to the vaccine book, uh, that topic. But before that, I actually have another question. About you. So you are the co-founder of Immunity Education Group. Talk to me about that because it was it's a nonprofit organization, I believe. Yes, we created that group um, about seven years ago when the state of California was trying to pass some laws that would make vaccines mandatory for uh, children in California, mandatory to attend any school, even even a religious-based school, uh, in private school. They were going to make them mandatory for everyone. And, um, and most states don't have that kind of law. There's only, at the time, there were only two other states that had mandatory vaccine laws. And we didn't want California to join them. <laughs> and so um, we created this nonprofit so that we could um, raise money to help, uh, help educate people about the importance of medical freedom. And um, medical freedom, I think, since then has become a very important topic for people as they, you know, sometimes we'll see a government try to impose medical procedures or medical treatments and not give people the the freedom to make that choice or instill a lot of societal penalties on them if they don't comply with medicine and but we were seeing that seven years ago here in california so we thought it would be important as did many other people to uh, raise money to fight that process and we we did not win the uh, political fight here in California, really? but I think we certainly have mm. dramatically increased the numbers of people who do feel that medical freedom is important. Mm. Wow. I didn't know that, actually. So yeah. in some states, it is mandatory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And what's the reason for that, Bob? Well, Fear again? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's. It's wow. the basic medical understanding that children who are raised vaccine-free are very dangerous to be around, and they shouldn't be allowed into schools because they are, you know, contagious and dirty, and and um, they should be excluded from that part of our society. And that that's that's the belief that the medical system. That oh, I should rephrase that. That's a belief that some people in the medical system have. I would say most people in the medical system understand that's not true. But then you know when you know the medical system mixes with politics, they just decided that it was so important 
for the politicians to have this kind of rule here in California that they really wanted to make it happen. And and in their mind, honestly, I, yeah. I feel like in their mind, they are keeping schools safer yeah. by keeping unvaccinated children out. Right. Wow. And how did you do with the in this situation with your children and grandchildren now? Well, my, you know, when my children went to school, we did not have these kinds of laws. You know, my children are all adults now. Um, and so we did have the freedom to choose, as, as do most Americans still. And and, mo and people in, in most countries of the world have the freedom to choose. But but uh, not everywhere. But, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of my main mission is to besides educating people about this decision and helping to guide them through this decision to help people understand why this decision should always be a free choice and should not have any mandates or penalties attached to it. Yes. I mean, what's not to love about that? Thank you again. Um, that's, to me, a spiritual mission. <laughs> um, yeah. We do have that sense within the inner world, really, which we call spiritual, that we are free. Maybe that's the reason we see some people rebel against rules, too many established establishments and rules, naturally. And I, rem I remember myself doing that. I like the COVID, I didn't take the vaccine, but that's, it's coming from intuition too. Uh, when something in me tells me not to do something, I don't. <laughs> and it usually doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the right decision. But of course, it's wonderful to make informed decisions, like uh, talk to somebody like you when it has to do with vaccines and children. I don't have children, but for, for parents, that's a wonderful resource. But I want to thank you again for being who you are. It's, it's well, beautiful. Thank you for saying so. So you are also a um, physician advisor for the Autism Community in Action, T-A-C-A. -A. I never heard about that, so I'd love to yes. hear more. Yes, that is a group that has uh, been around my area ever since I started being a pediatrician. It's a group of parents that started about 25 years ago, just getting together to help their children who have an autism diagnosis uh, find um, you know, speech therapy, uh, you know, educational therapies, help them learn better, you know, help to understand their behavior better and help them, you know, become, uh, become happy members, you know, happy and fulfilled members of society, um, to, you know, to the best of their abilities. And these parents, their mission is really just to help other families who are new to this situation to help their kids and, and raise money and, um, and uh, give scholarships to kids who need it. And so I've just been involved in that group. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, T-A-C-A now, TACANow.org. And it's, it's, it's parents helping parents. Yes. Which is sometimes the, the best way to get something done. That's true, yes. Wow, that's another wonderful idea and realized idea. I, I never mm. heard about that. Of course, I have. I hear. I, I, I am part of groups too myself, and I see so many being formed. But I didn't know about the autism community in action. So that's good to know. I'll have the link on this podcast profile too. So you are also the co-host of the Vaccine Conversation podcast and the creator of a video series. I think that's distributed. It's available on your website, which I'll have the link here too. Um, so. 
the question, the main topic of this conversation, your book, of course, the vaccine book, but specific topics such as the growing trend of people choosing to not do any vaccines at all, especially while their kids are young. Uh, and of course, there's a question here that can't wait. <laughs> do they really need to take vaccines? <laughs> like if I had children, I don't think I would vaccinate them. But I, I would study, of course, and read a lot about the subject. But it's wonderful to be talking to you today. So, yes, that's the question. Do they really need vaccines? Children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've been uh, very privileged to be able to, pe to be the pediatrician for many thousands of families that have chosen to raise their kids vaccine-free. And what shocks me is these children seem ironically healthy. Um, I, I think the sort of the mainstream viewpoint would be that they would be very unhealthy. They would be very sick and sick often. And that's assuming they even survive childhood you know, uh, if they're not vaccinated. Um, my experience has been the, the opposite. These kids, uh, I've never in all my 25 years of being a pediatrician, I've never seen a child severely harmed by an infectious disease that, you know, they were not vaccinated for. You know, all the unvaccinated children that I've raised in my practice, they've all done fine any time they've encountered an illness. And they seem to grow up with fewer allergic problems, fewer ear infections. They seem to have a healthier immune system. And when, you know, when they do encounter illness, and I, I do have, you know, a lot of patients that I can compare them to because I do have a lot of unvaccinated. I know I do have a lot of vaccinated patients, especially, um, you know, when I first started practicing, I would say the majority of my patients did vaccinate and I was seeing them get sick left and right. Mm, yeah. And my office was filled of, with uh, ear infections, pneumonias, sinus infections, allergies, all kinds of, you know, everyday pediatric problems. And nowadays I kind of sit around twiddling my thumbs, you know, uh, during the end of the day, when I used to have lots of sick kids come in to be seen, no one comes in anymore to be seen. So um, that that's kind of been my observation about these kids who are not vaccinated. And I can uh, I can tell you you know what I think the reason is for that, although it's it's a very theoretical understanding so far because we don't have a lot of research on it yet. Right. And did you vaccinate your children, your own children? Well, my children are adults now, you know, Valerie. So I, I guess I like to not share their ah yes, their, uh, their <laughs> yes, that's true information. <laughs> I, I yes. can say, you know, if, if I was making <laughs> this, if I was making this decision for myself, <laughs> now say I was going to have more, yes. you know, more babies now, which I, I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> yes, if I was, I, I I could see myself following in that same footsteps that that almost all of my patients do today. Mm, yeah. That's you know, raising a kid more naturally and vaccine-free. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I can also <laughs> say, though, I, I do give vaccines in my office every day because, you know, California children need them to go to school. 
So now that, you know, some of my families do want to enroll their kids in school, I do find myself guiding my patients carefully through the vaccine process um, for those that feel like they they don't want to homeschool or move to a different state. So I'm I'm on both sides of it and I, I see both sides of it. And I'm, you know, here to serve, you know, everybody, no matter what their choice is. Mm, yes. I have to say that I I love the uh, your perspective from experience. That's to me what really counts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just living it and knowing what is best for us and the people around us. But uh, going back to the vaccine situation, so what is the best way? Okay, if you have to give vaccines to children, what is the best way to do it? What would that be? Well, I would say um, the patients of mine that do vaccinate, they will wait till their child is older. Um, it's you know, when a baby is young, their immune system is developing, their nervous system is developing, you know, all their brain cells are making connections with each other and and they're forming so many pathways that that when you're born, everything's so immature. And so I think a lot of parents are so focused on raising their kids naturally these days by feeding them organic foods and avoiding chemicals and being careful with the cleaning products they use in their house and trying to make sure their kids are not exposed to things that are artificial and they, you know, buy GMO free foods. And, and what's interesting is, you know, vaccines have each one of those factors in them as well. They are, you know, they are GMO germs. They are, um, they have a lot of chemicals. They're very artificial. There's nothing natural about uh, about vaccines or the immune response that they trigger. So I think parents who are thinking about that will basically avoid that artificial medical process in their children while they're young, and they'll wait till their kids are several several years old, and then at that point their kids are hardier. Their systems are better equipped to handle stress and then handle artificial things. And, and I have a theory that they, they seem to handle that process better when we do it when they're at least four years old. And so I think that's probably the, the theoretically the safest first thing to do is simply wait until your child is older and and then when you do them, you know, with the guidance of a physician, you do them slowly, you know, one, maybe two at a time and spread them out over as many years as you can. And, uh, you know, try to live a really healthy lifestyle while you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And do you also suggest what vaccines to take for what illnesses or do they have to take some of them regardless? Yeah, I would say my patients pretty much only will get the vaccines that are required for California school. Um, in the California school, they don't require every vaccine. They only require uh, six different um, vaccines and a spread out spread out over it's, pro- it's pr- approximately uh, fifteen injections. And so, for me, honestly, it's it's not really a matter of 
helping people decide which vaccines might be more important. They're simply deciding that they have to do the ones that the school mandates. Uh, yes, yeah, and that also makes a lot of sense, yeah, right. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say, you know, when it comes to trying to decide if a vaccine in and of itself is simply important just for its own good, I would say virtually all of my patients don't seem to opt in for anything uh, just based on its own benefits. Right. Another question is the difference between adult vaccines and children's vaccines. Is there a difference? Well, yeah, there, there, there are some interesting differences in that, for the most part, adults seem to react more strongly to vaccines. Uh, they get more swollen, more achy, more feverish. There's a much stronger immune reaction. So we actually have to lower the dose when we give certain vaccines to adults. And so the body doesn't react as strongly. So, um, so that's, that's one big difference. But I'd say other than that, the vaccines are, for adults are very, very similar to the ones for children. Yeah. Is my understanding correct that vaccines are, I know there are a lot of ingredients in there. I, I took a look in your book and I, never, I think I've never seen that before. You're very detailed with that information. So, but I knew basically some components of the disease there. So we are just, the immune system is just fighting that disease, but in a very small dose, almost like, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, not a low dose. Yeah. Homeopathic dose, right? Yeah, I would love to understand more in the audience too, for people who don't understand what vaccines are. Well, I, I would say the germ components of vaccines are are pretty high dose, I would say. I mean, it's a pretty pretty hefty dose of, a, of either a genetically modified version of the organism or in some cases the organism is genetically engineered completely and, and not and not from a natural source. Um, and then they have to add a lot of chemicals and they have to put things in it that are very irritating to the immune system and cause a lot of inflammation so that your immune system will react. And, and I would say the reason why I think sometimes things go wrong with vaccines or why kids seem to, you know, maybe get sicker from having vaccines is that the immunity that vaccines generate in your body is very artificial. If you say, if you catch a, a flu, for example, you'll go through a natural immune process and you'll, then you'll actually have pretty good immunity from that flu and, and other flus that come along. But it's a very natural process. When you give a, a flu vaccine and actually any other vaccine, the type of immunity you get is very artificial. And so it doesn't work quite as well as we want it to. But when you give your child, you know, uh, I think there are officially 72 doses of vaccination now on the complete childhood schedule if you got every vaccine there is. If you give your child so many artificial immune-stimulating ingredients throughout their infancy and their young childhood, the artificial nature of that is why I think it, for some people, can make your immune system just not work as well for, you know, all the other things you need it to do. And so that's, that's kind of uh, 
what I think uh, is going through the minds of parents now who choose to not vaccinate is they're just not wanting those artificial influences on their young baby's immune system. Yes, I would do the same. Yeah, it's just listening to you now. It's uh, it's scary. Why would we do that? Um, yeah, I would say only out of fear I would do that. But if if I'm really, let's say, thinking and about what's the best thing decision for me and my children, if I had children, then I would definitely not do that. And that has been the case with COVID. And I openly talk about this here. I didn't take the vaccine. My husband didn't. And we never, we were in New York at the time, and we never had any problems, none. We traveled and all. So talk to me about COVID. It's the same, it works the same as all the other vaccines. So there's something different about COVID-19. Yeah, there, there's definitely some very interesting differences. Um, the COVID vaccine seems to cause more inflammation than any other vaccine we've created. Um, that, that's one thing because they, they had to design it in a way that would create a very strong inflammatory response so they could get your body to try to, you know, generate some artificial immunity that way. Um, it also, um, it also, instead of giving the germ components like most vaccines do, as you know, and I'm sure your audience knows, the, the COVID vaccines are, are um, RNA, you know, which is kind of something that helps, helps uh, build DNA um, in our body, body, and then and then you essentially are injecting the building blocks for COVID spike protein uh, DNA into your body through the vaccine, and then your body takes and reads that that mRNA and then the DNA and creates its own spike proteins. Um, something you know that the the COVID the COVID germs will do to you as well if they if they come into your body, so you're artificially generating spike proteins for your immune system to then try to you know develop immunity to. It's a very different process than than classic vaccine technology, and and I think that might be why a lot of people questioned it. Yes, yeah, around me I have seen that happen. Myself and my husband and lots of people. And I also have had people in my family who decided to take the vaccine and they all have issues one after another. They're always getting sick. Yeah, of course, we don't want to say that all the time to them. Oh, it was the vaccine. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't say that to them. <laughs> but it's, uh, right. it's sad to see. Yeah, it's... Right, because we also want to be understanding and accepting of each other's choices. Yes, yes, Bob. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We are, we all make choices. And I love the idea that we can make uh, wise choices, as you said. At the end of the book, you said something that I mentioned off record. Uh, you said about fear. When you say fear weakens both your immune system and your ability to make wise decisions for your family and yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yes. yes. So, and I noticed that with my family, uh, some people in my family, that they were so afraid of dying, actually getting sick and dying from COVID, that they rushed to take the vaccine. And then it was quite the opposite. They almost died from it. Mm. So, um, it's sad to see, but 
And it didn't matter what we say. My husband and I talked to them, but they wouldn't listen. So, so we just <laughs> <laughs> let go. Yeah, it's sad, the, the situation. And I know a lot of people lost their lives throughout the COVID pandemic. And I, it's, I think it's still happening, isn't it? I'm not sure. I don't watch TV, so I don't know what's happening yes, now. It, it's still around. You know, it kind of comes and goes. And it's, it's kind of become just a kind of like a flu that's, you know, ever-present on and off, you know, in different areas of the world at different times. Yes. Um, wow. And of course, I don't, I don't want to ask you the questions about COVID, <laughs> the personal questions here. Uh, so let me go back to that topic. And I have another question. here. So in your book, you, you have two sections, one that says reasons people should uh, get the vaccine, the COVID vaccines, and reasons not to. So would you actually recommend that elderly, old people to take the COVID-19? Would that be some suggestion that you would put out there? Well, you know, I, I'm not a doctor for the elderly, Valerie. So I, I don't think I've really ever stepped in to give medical recommendations outside of the pediatric field. Um, I will acknowledge, though, that I think an, an elderly person certainly had a lot more reasons to at least consider the vaccine compared to uh, younger, healthier adults and, and then children. So I, I definitely acknowledge that. And, and that's where we saw most of the you know, people lose their lives. And I, I, I guess the counter to that would be we didn't really thoroughly prove that the COVID vaccine would be really protective and reduce the chance you might die from the disease to, uh, to any large degree. Um, and so I, I felt like, you know, people should have the choice and people should be able to make an educated choice instead of having it forced upon them. And, and uh, no matter what your age, but I, you know, I, I will acknowledge that since the disease was milder for healthy children and young adults, and we were seeing actually, you know, some significant problems happen to young adults from the vaccine, especially young men and older boys having a lot of heart problems uh, from the vaccine. In that age group where the disease has a very low risk, I, I thought it was even more reason to not have to have a mandate for a brand new vaccine like that with potential problems when, when the disease was not as risky and there was no evidence that the vaccine would help prevent the spread in our society of the disease. You know, so, and I think if you're going to mandate something, you would have to have proven that it would help spread, uh, prevent the spread of a disease. And, and they never did. And then now we know it doesn't. Do mm, yes. And was it uh, the COVID vaccine, was it mandatory at the time for the entire country? Or I don't remember. Um, no, it was never officially made okay. mandatory for everybody, but yeah. some employers mandated it Yes, um, for yeah. certain jobs and especially jobs in the hospitals and our military mandated it. And a lot of people lost their careers because you know, they, would, they would not accept that vaccine and they had to you know, pay the price for that. And that's, that's what I think caused a lot of Americans to, to realize 
that sometimes when the pharmaceutical industry partners with our government and our medical establishment, sometimes things don't go right. And sometimes they they infringe on people's medical freedoms. And when people saw that happen with COVID, it's kind of opened their eyes to see how this might happen in a lot of areas of medicine, not just COVID. And and I we do see it, you know, happening with uh, mandatory vaccine laws like they passed in California. And I think um, more and more people are going to start fighting against that kind of infringement in their freedom. Yes, that's a good um, way of learning, right? Perhaps some. Um yeah, the, the system will change and become more flexible. And that's interesting. I always kind of put uh, kindness, love, and spirituality and flexibility together. I think yes. that's, that's when, because it has to do with freedom, right? Being flexible, conversations, and not just, yes. right, trying to control others mm-hmm. in such a way. I remember people in my family, they work in the schools. Uh, they were, that was mandatory for them, um, school yeah. systems too. Yes, yes. And also the uh, airlines, I think. That's why I didn't fly anywhere. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there were a number of, number of industries that were really yeah. heavily, heavily influenced by mandates. Right, sadly. Thank you so much, Bob, for your presence in this reality in our world. Um, Much, much, much needed. (laughs) Uh, Much (laughs) needed. So I want to, before we end the conversation today, I want to read a passage in your book that caught my attention, besides the one about fear. There's another one, beautiful, where you say, teach your children how to strengthen their immune systems with a healthy lifestyle, good nutrition, and a positive mindset and model these steps in your own life. Positivity is preventive. Help your kids focus on what they can control, their own immune system health. Let go of all fear about what goes on outside and around them that they cannot control and they will be healthy for it. So this is a beautiful message. It's also... On the introduction, the very beginning of this episode, I have that there because that's a beautiful message. In a way, it sums up everything because we have to start with children if we want to make these impactful, big, beautiful chains. So thank you so much again. And before I ask you the ending questions, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid, read a passage in your book or anything else? (laughs) (laughs) I I think I would uh, maybe just like to highlight what has been the most fun for me over the last few years was something something you mentioned earlier was the the vaccine conversation video series that i put together it's it's basically the vaccine book but presented as a video podcast um in a nice conversational friendly sometimes funny and sometimes entertaining um uh, format where people can literally go through this process and learn in a podcast format, and and that's uh, you know that's on the vaccineconversation.com website, and that's really for me what's been the most fun uh, embracing that form of media because you can just sit there and talk to people, you know, in a, in a conversational way that I think is a lot better received. 
Yes, yeah, that's one one of the formats for sure. Yes, I didn't see the videos yet. I gotta go there now. <laughs> Actually, take a look <laughs> at it. So I'll have the um, website on the podcast profile, of course, the book too, the link to Amazon and everything else. Thank you again, Bob. I I love your work. What is not to love about it? The mission, <laughs> the work, everything. It's just so beautiful and positive and. I mean, it's coming from education, from knowledge, of course, science too, because that's being a doctor. But I do see the big picture, which to me, it's highly spiritual. So thank you for that as well. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, I do have the ending questions. I'll ask two of them. At this time, what is the, the world's greatest need from your perspective? Wow, the world's greatest need... I have always felt, and I've I've thought about this, that our world would be such a better place if, if, if everyone, I don't know, just neighbors, whether it's a neighbor on the street or your neighboring country, if we all just got together more and understood each other more, talked more, um, you know, if, 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 and, and then embrace our differences, you know, uh, we got to love our differences instead of being afraid of our differences. And whether it's, you know, religious differences or economic or, you know, your ethnic backgrounds, you know, none of that matters. You know, we, we, are, we are all just human beings. And I think if we all could view each other as human beings, no matter your, you know, political or religious affiliation, you know, that to me, that's all that matters. And I think we would, it would be a better place if, if more people could, could understand that and accept it and, uh, and just let us all, you know, move on with living lives and finding happiness. Yeah, that's another important message. Um, yes, I would love to see the embodiment of that message as well, right? Like now, tomorrow, but it's true. I think we have a lot of work to do on that on the domain of fear, right? It's uh, moving toward love more within our own selves for that to become reality, our reality. Is that how you define success? I would love to hear your answer on that too. What is success to you these days? For me, it's, I think it's, it's, it's what I said about what, you know, what defines happiness, you know, earlier. Um, and just, um, you know, being, you know, being, uh, being healthy, but being at peace, finding, you know, peace and happiness in your family and in yourself and in your work. Um, and, and I think, yeah, like I, for me, success kind of, uh, is, is almost equates with, with happiness and just knowing that you've, you know, uh, made a good impression on this world. You know, like I said earlier, to me, that's, I think when I leave this place, as I think back on my life, that's, that's really what I want to be able to, to know is that, is that this world is a more natural, happier, healthier place. And the children growing up in this world are, are healthier and happier because of, you know, the impact that I've had. And to me, that's, that is success. I love the way you said that. Success and happiness being one in a way in the same. Yes. The impact we make. Right. Thank you so much, Bob, again, for your presence. 
for your wisdom, timeless wisdom, and everything else in between. Thank you, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay, thank you, Valerie. Yes. Thank you. Bye for now, Bob. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Bob Sears and his work, please visit thevaccineconversation.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.